My testimony is this. You know, during the week, I always try to uh, study what I'm going to preach on. And um, then lots of times I'll go for a run. And I will um, just be contemplating the verses that I'm going to be preaching on. And I, I do a lot of uh, thinking while I'm running. Oftentimes I listen to music while I'm running. And this week, I, uh, because of the, the passage with which we're doing First uh, Samuel chapter 3, there's a place in chapter 3 where it says, um, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. As I started on this long eight-mile run, and I was listening to some Christian music on Pandora, and it dawned on me what I was getting ready to, to preach on, to teach on, and I stopped in the middle of my run, and I took the music off. And so for eight miles, I ran in silence. And... Uh, it was actually really kind of amazing. I, I started to run again, and I said, Speak, Lord, for your, your servant is listening. And I didn't get anything audible, but let me tell you what did happen. I, I actually ran eight miles at a faster per minute pace uh, for eight miles than I did in the last time I ran five miles full 15 seconds faster per minute in silence and it was astounding to me and I really felt like that was the Lord telling me you you did right you did what was well and that's my testimony I'm sticking to it anyway let's dive into our sermon this week and um, before we get to first Samuel 3 I'd like to finish up 1 Samuel 1, because if you remember last week, we, we read a majority of 1 Samuel 1, but we didn't finish. And we stopped at a certain point, and I'd like to finish and talk a little bit about this before, before we launch into chapter 3. So here we go. In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 28, remember Hannah... Um, had uh, had been praying, and Eli thought she Eli thought she was drunk, and she she said a prayer, and Eli told her, well, "I hope that God honors your honors your prayer." That my paraphrase, but anyway. So First Samuel one nineteen through twenty eight. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. The name Samuel means asked of God or um, heard from God. Sorry. 21, when her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. 
She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home, nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Before we begin chapter 3, I'd like to point out three things that I think is very interesting about this passage. First one, because of what Hannah brings, Elkanah and Hannah bring for the time that Samuel is brought, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the idea was that Hannah would dedicate Samuel and that he would be a Nazarite all the days of his life. Because of what was brought for the uh, sacrifice. So Samuel is to be raised as a Nazarite all the days of his life. And that in fact is the exact thing that is compared to Samson as a judge. Remember Manoah and his wife are told that Samson was to be a Nazarite all the days of his life. But yet Samson didn't do that. He, he sort of just threw it away. He did many things that a Nazarite was not supposed to do. He didn't see himself as wholly dedicated to God. And any benefit that he had of being a Nazarite, he used for his own selfish gain. But Samson, and we have the totality of his life, we don't really see anything when he is, takes advantage of his Nazarite vow. But it takes it very seriously. That's number one. Number two, notice that Hannah goes to Eli. He doesn't go to, she doesn't go to Hophni or Phinehas. She goes right to the high priest. She talks to him and she calls him my Lord. She says, pardon me, my Lord. So she's giving deference to him and, and not to Phinehas or Hophni who are serving as priests as well. She goes straight to him to be able clearly Hannah wants Eli to raise him, not Hophni or Phinehas. That's number two. Number three, I'll read the last verse to you of chapter 28. I'm chapter 1, verse 28. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. My question is, Who's he? It, it doesn't make... Wait, who could it be? And so there are three possibilities of who the he can be. The first one could be Elkanah. 
Um, and, and, and many of the uh, ancient texts, the Masoretic texts, the Arabic texts, um, the, the Vulgate, the, the Latin text, doesn't say he worshipped the Lord there. It says they worshipped there. Clearly their, their idea is that they all were worshipping at the same time. But it doesn't. The original manuscript, as far as we can tell, is that he worshipped there. So who's he? And the first option could be Elkanah. Maybe he saw that Hannah was carrying out her vow and that he carried out vows and that he saw this as a, a time to worship God because vows were being fulfilled. Okay. That sounds good. It could be that he worshipped there is Eli. Maybe Eli is the one who worshipped because Hannah brought a child that he could raise. He'd already tried Hophni and Phinehas and they didn't turn out very well, that maybe he now had someone who he could share his life with and he could really mentor and teach. And that brought an idea of worship to God that he got another chance. That could be the possibility. The third could be Samuel. It could be that Samuel worshipped there. Even as young as he was, he worshipped God, maybe because he's modeling what his parents did. I don't know, but maybe he worshipped there. Now, later on in chapter 3, we're going to discover it. It says that Samuel didn't know the word of the Lord yet. So that might say that maybe Samuel wasn't the one worshipping. I personally think it's Eli, but that's my interpretation. That's my, the, my feeling. Any of them can be right, and it's not a big deal. But I just think it's interesting that we look at that. Okay, so let's now dive into 1 Samuel 3. By the way, 1 Samuel 2 is awesome. Hannah's song is amazing. Her prayer and her song that she sings, anybody can use that as a way of worshiping God. I'm surprised it hasn't ever been turned into music, but it's just an amazing uh, song. But anyway, let's go to 1 Samuel 3. And I'd like to read from the New International 1984 version to you, right straight from our book. And here we go. And I'm going to read the entirety of 1 Samuel 3. So at least on this Sunday, you'll have read a full chapter of Scripture. So here we go. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. 
the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling at the, as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something to, in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. That is First Samuel chapter 3. So I'd like to look at a few things on this chapter and talk about them and use this maybe as a time of encouragement to you or a time of direction for you. So let's look at three things. The first one, let's look at Samuel. Now, Samuel is someone who, from the very time, even before his birth, he has been set apart for God. And he is be in the service of God. He's given to Eli to be raised. And you can see immediately that even as a young boy, Samuel is not like regular boys. Eli calls him and he comes. Here I am. Eli comes. My son, he says, here I am. Here I am. Hear him. He's saying this constantly. Listen, I don't know if you've ever had any raised young children, especially boys. But if you call them, most of the time, they won't come to you. In fact, generally, if you call them, they go, they scatter to the seven seas. They're running around. They're going crazy. But Samuel is a very, seems to be obedient, teachable young child and he respects his elders and he shows up 
And so we, we see this in, in, in so many ways that Samuel is someone who can be taught. Samuel is one who wants to honor the Lord with his life. And he's willing to do things. So what else about Samuel? Well, it says that Samuel wasn't, didn't know the word of the Lord yet. And so at this time, this chapter 3 is where we get introduced to Samuel knowing the word of the Lord. And it's done in an amazing way. Uh, Samuel continues to come to Eli at night and say, you called me, you called me. And it takes a number of times before Eli tells Samuel, if you hear being called again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And Samuel's very obedient, but you'll notice there's a difference Eli tells him to say that, but he doesn't say exactly the way Eli tells him to say it. In fact, when the, the Lord comes, this time it says that the Lord shows up and he's actually there. And he goes, he says Samuel, not just once, he says Samuel twice. Every, every other time he, Samuel is called, it's one word, Samuel. And then he gets up and goes to Eli. This time he says, it says the Lord appears and it says, Samuel, Samuel. So there's some urgency there. And Samuel answers, not speak, Lord. He just says, speak, for your servant is listening. This is an interesting point because you think, was Samuel scared? Was he intimidated by, by this? Did he actually see the Lord as he showed up at this time? Or... Is it just an oversight on his part? Or is it he is hesitant because this is something new? It could be any of those ones, but he does say, speak, for your servant is listening. And at that point, the word of the Lord comes to Samuel, and he hears it, and he gets, he gets dumped on by the Lord. I'll be honest with you. He got dumped on some some very hard stuff even as a young boy. And so the, God tells Samuel everything that's going to happen to Eli and his lineage and it's going to be so something so amazing is going to happen that every ear that hears of it will tingle. I mean this is Something that everyone is going to talk about. It's, it's sort of like a coronavirus. <laughs> but, and that's obviously the ark being taken by another nation. But, um, let's get back to this. And so, I just can't help but feel for the young boy, Samuel. Because at this time, he's been given some hard things to be able to say when Eli, when he wakes up, you can see Samuel's all about doing the business of the tabernacle and probably doing everything in his power to avoid Eli because he doesn't want to share the bad news. But he does. And Eli tells him, you know, tell me everything. 
and beat ever so severely if you don't. If you hide nothing from me, you should, should hide nothing from me. And so Samuel does. Samuel tells him everything. He spills his guts of what the Lord said. And I, and I think that's just a good indication of this is what happens with Samuel his entire life. He's having to hear the word of the Lord and speak it into people's life. And some of it's not good. I mean, later on we see Samuel having to tell Saul, the kingdom is being stripped from you because you won't obey him. Or, you know, to, to be able to, to tell people what the Lord says, it's not always favorable news. Listen, this is... I, I, have such a heart for Samuel because, you know, Jeremy and I oftentimes we're called in and we read scripture and we have to say things to people that, well, they don't want to hear or it's not good news. And that's hard for me because I'm a people pleaser. I want, I want everyone to like me. I don't want to see anybody mad at me. And oftentimes the messenger is the one that's hated. But we see Samuel being faithful. I wonder later on in his life if he ever heard Eli's voice saying, be it ever so severely, if you don't speak, he said, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything the Lord told you. And so we never see any instance where Samuel doesn't tell what the Lord said. In fact, you hear this at the end of the chapter that from Dan to Beersheba, it is attested that all the nation of Israel knows that Samuel is a prophet of Yahweh. There's not anybody who says, no, that's not true. Because Samuel has been so faithful to speaking the word of the Lord that Everyone knows it. He's, he's given God's name a good name because he's just been faithful to speak God's word. Oh, wow. That's, that's an amazing thing. Now, number two, let's look at Eli. It says at the beginning of the chapter that there wasn't much word of the Lord. People weren't hearing from the Lord. There's some silence um, and not many visions. Now we know of at least one vision because there, there's another man in chapter 2 that goes to Eli and tells him what's going to happen. That Eli being an old man is going to be the last one to be an old man. That no other male from his lineage is going to be old. They're, they're all going to be cut down in their prime. And um, as, as, a, as a punishment because of what... Um, Phineas and Hophni did that can completely um, ignored Eli, ignored the law, and just took advantage of their position. Which makes you think of a, a couple of other brothers that were um, in the priestly line that didn't do what they were supposed to. Aaron's sons. Nadab and Abihu. 
Remember, when the tabernacle is first built and they, they're being consecrated and they're just new at this, Nadab and Abihu offer up profane fire to the Lord, not the, not the prescribed way God told them that the fire should be presented. And they offered profane fire and they were killed immediately. Now we have a couple other brothers that are doing dastardly things. They are uh, removing the fat that's supposed to be the Lord's portion before it gets burned. They uh, are sleeping with women from around the temple. That They are threatening violence if people don't listen to them. All of these things. And uh, the Ten Commandments, number five, says obey your parents. And they completely ignore what Eli said. And for, for Eli, he told them, but he didn't take them out of the office of priest, which, the, which he should have because they weren't doing what was proper. So Eli and the rest of the lineage, they're beyond hope. They, Hophni and, and, and Phinehas are going to be killed very quickly. And there's a death sentence there and that the rest of that lineage, there's no... There's no um, sacrifice, no atonement for what they did at this point because they're completely ignoring what God clearly is telling them to do. And so, Eli hears from Samuel what God tells Samuel is going to happen. And Eli says... To his credit, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. At this point, you can see that Eli cares more about, the God, about God, about Yahweh, than he does even his own son. He's, he knows that what's happening is God's righteous justice. And Eli doesn't, you know, get mad at Samuel for being the messenger. He just accepts it. And I think that's to his credit as high priest. But still, um, it's, it still happens. So, this portion we have, we've, we've looked at Samuel. And we have looked at Eli. The third part I want to look at, I want to talk about, is what does this mean for us? Is this just a good story? No, absolutely not. I think we, there are several things that we can pull from this scripture and we can look at. Just like in my testimony, I told you, um, I needed to be silent. Listen, how many times do we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? In most of our lives, it is filled with noise. When, when we're in the car, it's the radio or a playlist or whatever. Um, when we're at home, it's uh, the TV's on or we're in a, an amazing conversation with our family or with people. There's always 
noise. We do not take time to listen for the Lord. And even in my own life, I've had to start being more disciplined to be able to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I need to be able to be listening to the Lord. Listen, I have conversations with the Lord all the time. In my prayer time, I am praying constantly to him. I'm the one speaking. Dear Lord, you know, help me with this thing. Or I'm interceding on behalf of this person. Or I want healing. I need this. Or I, 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 I praise you, Lord. But how often do I shut up and listen for the Lord and his leading? How often do I read scripture And allow the Holy Spirit to speak through his word to me. This is very important. We need to learn and discipline ourselves to hear from the Lord. Jesus put it this way. When he's talking with uh, that he is the good shepherd. He says this about his sheep. He says, my sheep recognize my voice. And they will come to me. They will not go to another. I think that speaks very clearly to us. We need to be able to hear the Lord. Now it may not be audibly. But we need to be able to hear when the Lord speaks to us. That we know that it's him. And what does that sound like? Well, it sounds very much like scripture. That's what it sounds like. Listen, if you hear a voice and it's. And it tells you anything different than his word. It's not God. Okay, so we need to practice the discipline of listening. I don't know what that looks like for you. Um, I can tell you personally for me, I am very uncomfortable with silence. In fact, when Barb goes out of town and it's just me at the house... I talk to the dog a lot. Or I will be singing something that's going through in my head. I just don't do silence well. And so I have learned to start being comfortable with silence. So passage of scripture says, Be still and know that I am God. And that's something that I'm just not naturally at, but that doesn't mean I'm not expected to do this. This is something that I need to learn. I need to discipline myself. I need to be focused with the very idea of hearing from the Lord. Most of the time, it's from His Word. But there are times, especially when I'm in, in the midst of preparing a sermon, I will say, Lord, what do you want me to preach on. And oftentimes it will come to me in a run or in a conversation with somebody else or just silence in my office. I'll, oh, this is the direction. And I'll step into it. I'll act. I'll start working that way. And then things will start happening. And I feel more and more confident every time that this is what the Lord is leading me to do. It's learned, it's practiced. And it can always get better. But we need to give time to say, 
Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Hmm. The other thing we need to think about is there is the edict that God gives the lineage of Eli. He takes his name very seriously. And he says that he has throughout the generations, he punishes generations after generations of the house of Eli because of what they did to his name. And because of Hophni and Phineas's, uh blasphemy and disobedience of God, it turns out that the Ark of the Covenant actually gets taken by the Philistines. And so, from an outsider's perspective, and you see the Ark of the Covenant being taken into the god Dagon's temple... From someone looking, they can say, oh, I guess Dagon is stronger than Yahweh. But now that's not the case, but it appears. And the same thing happens later on with um, the Israelites because of idolatry, because of uh, abuse of widows and orphans and all kinds of apostasy. They actually get invaded and taken over. Um, by Assyria, the, the, the ten northern tribes, and then by Babylon, uh, the Judah gets taken away. And for many people, this is a faith crisis for them. Uh, because they didn't think Jerusalem would ever fall. But because of their saying that they're God's people, yet living in disobedience and giving his name a bad name, it appears that the gods of Babylon are stronger than Yahweh. But that's just not the case. In both these things, through the Dagon, the, the god of Philistines, or the gods of the Babylonians, it's not that God is weaker, it's that his own people, who call themselves his own people, are living in disobedience. What does that play out in our life today? Listen, if you call yourself a Christian... Yet you live habitually sinful. I'm not just saying because you sin. Because we all sin. We're all broken. However, if you continually be doing something and people see this. Yet you still call yourselves a Christian. Something is going to happen. You are giving God's name a bad name. And sooner or later, he's going to stop it. So, two things. For your own sake. If you continually to live in sin, yet you call yourself a Christian, stop calling yourself a Christian. Just stop. If you continue to not obey God. And I'm not talking about sins that we do. I'm talking about habitual sin. Sin that you're not willing to give up. Don't call yourself a Christian. Not for me, but for you. Be safe. But if you call yourself a Christian and you stand up for Christ, then you need to work in your life that you be sure that you are living for him, that he is indeed your savior. Listen, I ran into a young man a few years ago 
And he wanted to get Yahweh tattooed on his body. And I said, okay. But I knew this young man was heavily into drug use. And he was um, pretty promiscuous. And um, he was known to be drunk at times. And I said, okay, I I just want to warn you that if you're not willing to give those things up, then don't put Yahweh on your Because that's a dangerous place to be. I'm just saying. So, I absolutely want you to obey God. I'm not saying don't obey God. But make sure that when you stand up for Christ, that you are giving God a good name. I think that's very important for us to remember. Okay. I'd like to take a moment. I'd like for us to pray together. So wherever you are, in your home, in your uh, small group, or just by yourself, let's pray. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for all of us. But I'm going to have a moment of silence before I do that. Because, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. Father in heaven, we come before you. We thank you for who you are and what you mean to us. Lord God, forgive us for times when you have been speaking to us and we've just been so busy with the noise we have not heard you. Father God, help us to be disciplined, to give you time to speak to us, whether through your word, through your Holy Spirit, or audibly Lord God it's a big responsibility to hear the word of the Lord it was it was tough for Samuel it'll be tough for us there'll be times people will be mad at us and hate us call us wacky but Lord God let us be faithful to you and to you first and foremost help us to use your word to speak truth into people's lives truth with love to be able to people will be without an excuse and that maybe there's a time that they will hear what we have to say and turn to you Lord that's our hope that there will be people who need you that will hear from us the truth about you Father God, don't let me lie about you. Don't let me speak untruths about you. Help me to obey you and to love you and to be faithful speaker of truth. Help me to be a faithful listener of your word. Father God, we ask all these things as you put people in our lives, as we hear and hear more from you, that we will be a good instrument that we will be just like Samuel saying here I am here I am Father God thank you and praise you for who you are help us Lord each of us we're in all of us all of our separate different situations and all we are help us to step out in faith and to follow you
Father God, I also just want to take this moment right now to pray for everyone in the world right now who's currently sick with this coronavirus. Father God, that you will just heal them, that you will make yourself known to them, that you are the God, you are the healer. Father God, I I pray that you give wisdom to all of our governments and how we're supposed to be handling this thing. Lord, help us uh, to use your wisdom so that we don't just destroy our planet, (sighs) destroy our nation because of fear and anxiety. Lord, let us rest on you. Let us be responsible followers of Yahweh and his son, Yeshua. Lord, we need this. We ask this. And we humbly seek you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Anyway, I hope that you uh, were able to hear all of this, that we didn't have any stumbling. So, a couple of questions you need to think about. Um, Are there other places in Scripture where someone said, here am I, or here I am? I can think of at least two other places in Scripture. Maybe you know them. Maybe you can be share along in your group. Um, I also like to tell you, what area can you share with somebody else within the group that's heard this? Can you share with them? What area do I need to work on to be able to hear from the Lord better? Or what discipline do I need to put in my life to be able to hear from the Lord more faithfully? Anyway, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And we will look forward to seeing you at another time. I know this is strange. I know this is a little bit different. I know people are complaining about, oh, this is too toony. This is tinny. I could hardly hear you. We're working on that. I hope this is a little better. But just remember, we're trying to make church not like we normally did. We're trying to make it as clear and as close as possible as we can. Otherwise, we're getting better at it each time. And hopefully soon and very soon, we can come together as believers, love and hug and share and be a community. That's my prayer. God be with you.